Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Welcome back to Notes from the North, your go-to Minnesota Vikings podcast within the Pigskin Podcast Network. Before we get started, we want to offer our thanks to Purple Pain Forums for allowing us to post our podcast there. If you're looking for an online forum for passionate Vikings fans, feel free to check out purplepainforums.com. With that being said, Kyle, it feels like we're in the full swing of the offseason. Um, we're getting all the news coming out from... Uh, different reporters. Uh, we've got lots of fans speculating what to do. Uh, draft is coming up, and there's a understanding of where the Vikings are are picking. Um, first off, how are you feeling? On the one hand, I feel intrigued, like a lot of people who follow the team, for basically the reasons you just outlined. You know, they just were so we're recording Friday morning. This will come out Monday, and. Uh, it doesn't seem super likely that someone will be hired and by someone, I mean, a general manager will be hired over the weekends. Um, but they've just completed their first round of interviews, which is significant. And so then from there, you imagine they've probably narrowed it down to two or three, perhaps who they really love. And uh, I imagine they'll probably look to bring those people in for a second interview and really kind of uh, dig down deep in terms of, I mean, I don't know. I've never been involved in hiring a general manager. I've never been an owner of an NFL franchise, but one has to assume, you know, that's one thing I've been thinking about. What kind of questions are being asked? One has to assume it's not just your philosophy, your vision, roster construction, but hey, what are you going to do with our quarterback? Hey, what are you going to do with this cap crunch in 2022? You know, hey, how are you going to manage this off-field situation? How are you going to do this and this? And so I wonder if this next round involves more the nitty-gritty immediate you know so it's one thing for you to say this is my vision this is my philosophy this is how i'm going to go about it more specifically how do you actually do that in this precise situation i wonder if that's where things go and uh so that that's just my baseless speculation that i'm kind of interested to hear what kind of reports and rumors emerge of who is the of the most interest and then if anything were to get leaked in terms of you know, really what they kind of ask them about and that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. It, it does feel like that it is, um, that there's not an imminent uh, hiring here, but especially I think right. because they've been interviewing some some guys who are still uh, in playoff runs, it's kind of becoming less and less because t- as teams get eliminated, um, but hiring and, and interviewing people that currently are uh, actually in the midst of a playoff run. I, yeah. I, I was I found it quite fascinating to see that they have been very vocal and very public about who they're interviewing and those coming in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the team has definitely promoted it. Right. And, you know, as, as soon as the interview is done, right. You know, be, you know, on the official Vikings Twitter, you know, we just completed our interview with, you know, so-and-so from uh, wherever, right. Dan Quinn had or defensive coordinator for the, you know, in that case, it's a, it's a head coach. But that was the name that came to mind. But in any case, you know, and some of that I think is still business. You're still trying to generate social media buzz. You're still trying to get clicks on your website because you make money that way. So I think some of it is just like, you know, the cool reality that you're still trying to sell this fan base, right? And make money from this fan base. But it felt weird insofar as there was an initial two or three days there at the beginning. Sam remembers, I remember, obviously everyone remembers we're like 
other teams were doing stuff and the Vikings weren't doing anything. Right. And then the stuff was announced and then it's just been like methodical. Like every day there's been two, three or four posts. We've just completed our interview with Sam. We've just completed our interview with Kyle. Like we're now we're going on to this person. It's like, all right, they're, they're working their way through it. Yeah. It, I think that like the part, it always, from my perspective and watching teams, it always feels like there's just these like rumors of like, Oh, this person's going here and this person's going here. And like, they've just been very transparent. Uh, and like you said, it's created the buzz. Um, it also has been a very uh, interesting measuring stick for seeing what, what fans think. Cause um, yep. if, if, if there's one thing, fans aren't shy to share opinions on Twitter. Um, and <laughs> since when, since when, not, not, yeah. not that I think the, the, the people going through the process are like, Hmm, you know what? Um, Bobby bunch of numbers really doesn't like, yeah, like exactly. this guy. And I don't think we can hire him anymore. Um, yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't think they care that much, but it is, um, uh, it's just, it, it was, it's been eye-opening for me. And I, I don't know if you've seen the fake ones going around of, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, I've seen some of those random yeah. ones going up and, uh, and, uh, at this point, it, like the long, the list has been long. Uh, they've certainly created a long list, uh, both, both the general manager and the coaching position. So it'll be interesting to track as that continues. Um, but today we, we wanted to take a look back a little bit on the season, uh, but taking a look back, but also taking a look forward. Um, lots of Vikings places do recaps. You can uh, analyze the season. There's some definitely some good things, some not so good things. And I think instead of just looking back and just talking about uh, the good and the bad, um, I think it probably makes sense. And we talked about this a little bit to maybe more take a look forward and, and, uh, as much as it's hard to do sometimes with this team, we have wanted to try to remain a little bit hopeful as a podcast, uh, trying to bring some encouragement to uh, a dejected uh, fan base at times. And yeah. so what we have talked about doing, and this is the plan moving forward, is that this week we're going to look at the offense um, and look a little bit about what are you optimistic about leading into the 2022 uh, season um maybe who are you optimistic about um obviously there's some dominoes to fall here because uh we're just entering the offseason and and right now we're just we're working with the roster that they ended the season with and we know that that's not going to be the roster they go into next season with um but Kyle I do want to hear from you um <clears throat> maybe a couple of things that you're optimistic about regarding this offense yeah, so to reiterate one of Sam's points there, the point here is to reflect on the season insofar as it allows us to project into the future, right? F- football, sport, sports in general, various aspects of life is, you know, it's continually future-oriented, right? Like we're, even during the season, you could say, even during the middle of the 2021 season, you know, it's always about the next play, the next drive, the next game, et cetera, et cetera. And so again, so it's, it's, it's about... Uh, it's about the future. And so one of our main tools for projecting the future is obviously looking at the recent history, recent past. And so, you know, I was just kind of poking around and looking at some of the numbers, uh, various spots, pro football reference, PFF, uh, ESPN, you know, just different statistical measures, both kind of traditional and more advanced, trying to kind of get a sense of uh, how the Vikings did on offense. Obviously I watched a lot of games, but just try and do, you know, different spin and a lot of these things I've looked at before, but it kind of confirms 
I think what we all saw, I mean, in terms of their average points per game, they're at 25 even, which I think is 14th in the NFL. Uh, the rushing offense was, you know, middle of the pack. Uh, like, if you look at a lot of their statistical measures, they were either on the cusp of above average or a little bit above average to just average. They didn't really bottom out in a number of areas. I mean, certainly, uh, you know, the center play bottomed out and that kind of thing, like in, in individual performances, you could say. But in terms of like the team as a whole, various aspects of the team as a whole, the run game, the passing game, the amount of yards you put up, the amount of points you score, you know, they were good, but not great. And I think it's unfortunate in that we were kind of hoping for great. And I think they had the capacity to be great. But, you know, and I, maybe this isn't fair because I, I don't even know if he should have been elevated to this position, but it's hard to think that a lot of that doesn't fall on Clint Kubiak. But then, of course, a lot of it falls on Mike Zimmer as well because Clint Kubiak is calling his offense within the confines of what Zimmer wants for his offense and for his team. And so uh, I think overall it was average to above average, the offense that is, even though some players like Justin Jefferson were sensational. Uh, now, specifically as it relates to reasons for optimism, I mean, Jefferson's obviously reason number one. He is the team's only elite player. Um, not that a lot of teams hoard elite players and have like 15 of them, but there are teams obviously who have more. I think it's fair to say, unless Sam disagrees, that Jefferson is the only elite player. The only caveat you could add there would be Daniil Hunter, which is hard to say that and he's been hurt for one and a half plus years over these past two seasons. So, I mean, would you would you agree with that in terms of the offense, in terms of the team as a whole? You've got one elite player moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's always hard because um, there is different people have different understandings of what elite is. But you're saying, yeah. um, I, don't, I don't know if it's fair to, to limit you to saying top five at their position uh, in the NFL or something around that in terms of that elite. Like it's not like... Um, it's not like you're in the, the top, um, whatever, 10%, like it is like, you're like talking about the very, like when you stack up those, the best, the best of that position, um, Jefferson belongs in that conversation. It's hard to say that about anyone else on this roster at this point. Exactly. He's a top five player. Literally every single team in the NFL would want Justin Jefferson. Maybe he's a number two receiver to Devontae Adams, right. Or, you know, or something like that, but every single team wants him, uh, and that's just the reality of, of being so excellent. So, I mean, he's kind of the freebie. And so I don't want to dwell too much on him. I mean, one of my main reasons for optimism, and this is, in a sense, a little bit the offensive line, not because they were good, but because I I feel reasonably confident that Brian O'Neill and Christian Derrissaw can be good. Uh, so I feel really good about them in the sense that, I mean, Brian O'Neill got some all-pro votes this season, which, frankly, I don't know if he deserved those all-pro votes. But it suggests that he's getting some recognition around the league from people who know more than I do. And so it's interesting to see that he actually worked his way onto the ballot as, you know, kind of the premier right tackle. In some people's minds, he is the premier right tackle in the NFL. And so that's notable, I think. And he's, he's very good in pass pro. He's a fierce competitor. Uh, and I, I love the fact that he's a Viking, right? And then with Christian Derrissaw, I mean, he really at times battled obviously he had the injuries and that makes things challenging but man his his size his athleticism his strength i mean he's got that combination that you want out of a tackle he's got good length good physicality he's already a bit of a mauler in the run game 
I mean, I think you can build around those two. Like you got two young tackles, one who's kind of approaching the midway point of his career, one who's just at the very beginning. But you got to think if you're a coach coming in and you look at the offensive line, you say to yourself, it needs work. But you don't say to yourself, oh, man, it needs work. And there is no talent here. We need to completely like we have the foundation in place. And so I think that's reason for optimism. Absolutely. Yeah, I was thinking like you've got at least two of the five pieces that you need there. Um, I think you could probably say that uh, at minimum you need, if you're going to look at trying to get that offensive line into um, top half, even the hope is probably top third of the league, uh, you need to add two significant pieces there at least, uh, if if not three. Um, And but it's better than where where they were sitting last year, right? Where they just oh, yeah, leave. absolutely. Uh, like yep. you've you've doubled your efficiency in the sense of bringing in uh, Darisaw. And I I am curious to see what happens this year. And I think that they're like we'll obviously at some point talk about the draft and who um, and and probably more so breaking it down after the fact because Kyle and I, as much as we're football fans, we don't have a whole lot to offer in terms of pre-draft analysis. Um, I. Like, I, I don't know about you, but it does feel like there's pieces like it, I don't you think about like someone like a Wyatt Davis, um, like, is there hope for him to take one of those guard spots? Uh, yeah, he comes yeah. in like that's that's something like he we didn't, really didn't get to see um, barely any of him this year. Um, exactly. But like, is that maybe a third piece possibly uh, to this the puzzle of the offensive line? It's, you know, it's very possible because he was highly regarded. Uh, and you know, part of that too is, I mean, Ezra Cleveland at left guard played pretty well. Right? Yeah. Like he 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 grades out as a top half guard in terms of the PFF rankings. Uh, he moves really well. Like if if they want to switch to uh, like a power gap scheme where it's a hat on a hat, you need to move your man. Ezra Cleveland's probably not going to be a great fit. But if they want to continue with his own scheme, athletic dudes move well well rather climb to the second level. Uh, can get out and screen passes and block an open space, then Ezra Cleveland's a fine option, right? Like, because it's it's easy to forget that he was uh, a second-round left tackle from Boise State. He then got thrust into action in his rookie year as the right guard. So you're switching sides, switching positions, so your footwork's different, and you're along the interior, you're dealing with powerful dudes, and things happen quicker on the inside, right? Because they're right over top of you. And, you know, and he he did okay and then he had the position switch back to left guard which is still different from what he played in college but at least is on his left side so the footwork is a little bit cleaner and you know he did pretty well right so like man give Ezra Cleveland credit you know I wouldn't be shocked if whoever comes in says to himself okay we've got three of the five and then perhaps Wyatt Davis who who had a little bit of cross training both at center and guard old Udo I don't think is the answer as it relates to right guard but I do love him as a depth option. He's got flexible. He's big. He's strong. He moves well. Uh, he's got bad hand placement, but he'd be a fine backup offensive lineman because he has position flexibility and he's really, really strong. So I, I love Oludo as one of the main backup guys, especially as like a utility dude. So like there are pieces there. Like if you, if you nail center and right guard, which I know it's look, offensive line is tough like it's not that easy uh but re- it's it's to my mind it's at least plausible that next season the vikings offensive line finds itself somewhere in that 15 to 18 range in terms of overall ranking in the nfl uh so long as the incoming coach maybe has a touch different not even necessarily different philosophy because you could still run the same style offense 
but uh, a better approach to uh, kind of getting the most out of that philosophy. And, and then you add in a talented player or two, it wouldn't be shocking to me if the offensive line was actually a fair bit better next season. Uh, so I, I think that's reason for hope. Yeah. Oh, we're, look at us finding all these reasons. It, it, uh, it, I think realistically, the I don't want to say the best option, but really one of the best options is that the answers to these questions and as, as it pertains to the offensive line, that those answers come within. And so that's why I talk about a wide Davis. Uh, obviously like the, uh, another great thing would be to, to build through the draft. Um, I, th- I feel like free agency is, is option number three, uh, at least in my mind. And, and there is a lack of resources at this point uh, to be able to do that. And so if some of the answers can come within uh, and you start um, moving guys like an um, Oliudo down the depth chart a little bit, still a good player, yeah. a useful player. Exactly. But not, um, not probably who you're looking for to be on the starting roster, starting line when you, exactly. when you start the game in the playoffs. Um, so I, th- I think there is a lot of reason for optimism. I guess the, the last one that I was going to bring up, uh, and it was unfortunate cause we didn't get to see him this year, um, is just the return of Irv Smith jr. Uh, and that right. tight end yeah. position. And like, that was a piece that, that, uh, I know you were really excited about leading into the season feeling like that was going to be a great, uh, really third option in terms of the receiving game. And, and you know what? Others emerged. Conklin had a, I think, uh, a good season. Uh, you, you see someone like Osborne who emerged, uh, but adding a piece that is already on your roster uh, in North Smith Jr. I think is is another yeah. piece uh, and a reason for optimism. He is a dynamic weapon, right? Like he, him burning it up at the seam. Uh, gosh, the way he moves, he's so impressive. It's just so unfortunate that he had that injury. It wouldn't be shocking to me. Again, this we're all just kind of projecting into the future, but just based off what we saw in his first couple of years, he's so gifted. Uh, he seems like he's a, you know, he's a he's a good team player. Like he just seems like he's great fit for the team. Uh, it wouldn't be shocking to me if he ends up being, uh, you know, like the third receiving option next year kind of thing. Uh, gosh, I, I think he has a high, high ceiling. I don't know if he'll ever be as dynamic as like Mark Andrews or the Travis Kelsey's and that. And that's obviously a pretty high bar. And I don't think that's necessarily what fans should expect. I mean, it'd be amazing if he did get there, but I don't think that's realistic necessarily because you're talking about like all pro level performance, but I think he can be dynamic and really, I mean, in offense, you're kind of continually trying to put the defense in a no-win situation. You put a linebacker on this dude, he's faster than your linebacker. You put a corner or a safety on this dude, he's bigger and stronger than your corner and your safety. And so if you can kind of have these matchups across the field where, man, if you don't double Jefferson, you're toast. And if you don't devote someone pretty unique to Irv Smith Jr., you're toast. Like if you don't, if you don't, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, down the line, then that really is hard on the team. And so it would be interesting to see uh, how the new coach uses Irv Smith Jr. And, and, and then how he bounces back from that injury. That is a hundred percent a reason for optimism. Yeah. Yeah. Like to like the offense, I think did a, a good job at the, the first half of the season. It was a little bit lacking more in the last half of the season of putting together some long drives uh, and keeping possession of the ball. And yep. you just see, it is just no matter how good your defense is, um, it is hard to be able to keep 
uh, games close if, if your offense is, is not staying on the field. Uh, and so I think with those pieces uh, and, and maybe with a little bit more of a, um, a shift, I don't know if it's fair. Like, I, I think at least from my perspective, it'd be nice to have a more of a dynamic offense um, and um, do that in a sense that allows for you to stay on the field and, and put together some more of these long drives and put points on the board. Um, I think that the, the nice thing about the offense is it feels like at this point, a lot of the pieces are there. Uh, and and we're talking about just talking about a few few positions in need. Entering this year, uh, the Vikings have the youngest offense in the NFL, right? And that's even with Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen. Uh, you know, these are gray beards. These 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 are dudes who have been around for a little while. Uh, so there's youth here and there's talent here, and really the the major concern in a sense, or the concern you have a little bit is that in a year or two, these guys got to get paid, right? Now, in a year or two, maybe you don't have Cousins, maybe you don't have Cook, maybe you don't have Thielen, who are all highly paid right now, so maybe it just works out. O'Neill's already got his extension. But a lot of these guys are on the rookie deals. Irv Smith, Ezra Cleveland, Christian Derrissaw, Justin Jefferson, KJ Osborne, they're all on their rookie deals, right? So that obviously makes a difference. Um, but that, that's... that's uh, that's a problem for that incoming GM that we were just speaking about. And so in, in the short term, at least the Vikings are actually reasonably well positioned to have a nice offense going forward. I think really the key is honestly is, is figuring out that offensive line a little bit and then uh, quarterback, right? Can he be consistently great, consistently great start to finish? Um, and if it's not him, who will it be? Right. Yeah. No, exactly. It is the, we talk with the offense and obviously the quarterback is the most important position. And there is um, not really, there's a question mark that because he's under contract, Kirk Cousins is, but um, there is a lot of chatter what you do, especially um, with that, that big number uh, is age where the team's at all that comes with that. Um, so there's certainly some options there, but um, it is kind of hard in some ways to talk a little bit about what, what this offense looks like next year. Um until that uh, piece, that that understanding of what what you're doing with Kirk Cousins is is solved. Can I ask? So this is um, Sam. Uh, this is just kind of off the cuff, uh, and I want to ask you whether to cut them or trade them or anything like that. But instead, I'm going to put the over under at two questions. And the incoming GM opening press conference. How long does it take before he's asked about Kirk Cousins or she is asked about Kirk Cousins? Over under is two questions. Are you taking the the under or the over? Huh. It's a good question. I like because I don't think it's question number one, but I think it's a good chance it's say, question number two. Let, put, then put me at two point five. Then two two point five, which is is more appropriate. Oh well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna still say the over, although like, yeah, all right. But it is. It, I feel it's the first player question that is asked. Um, yeah, at, at 2.5, I'll take the under. I'll, I'll, I'll say it's – I think the I think the first one is, is an easy, oh, yeah, Mr. Sam, you're the new GM. Congratulations. How does it feel to, to be a general manager? Oh, it feels great, so on and so forth. You know, and, and then from there, I think they hit him with the, you know, the, the Kirk Cousins. Can you, can you figure out the Kirk Cousins situation? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Can you just, like, explain your whole plan here? Can yeah. you tell us exactly what he would garner on the trade market? For, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, That's right. Yeah. That's right. 
yeah no it's it that is a that's going to be interesting and i am uh uh i am curious what the conversations are are going to be like there and um i don't know it's going to be i think there's going to be a lot to talk about in this off season so it will be fun oh, oh yeah oh yeah um other than that i think we'll 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 next week talk a little bit about some optimism on the defensive end and maybe a little bit harder uh, but i still think there's lots to lots to garner from there um Quick, quick Minnesota Wild update. Very, very quick. Um, there was an article actually that I was reading yesterday uh, from HockeyWilderness.com talking a little bit about the Wild, Minnesota Wild having multiple options to navigate at the trade deadline. It was written by uh, Thomas Williams, and I thought it was really interesting and, and basically outlines really what every team has in terms of the options when they go into um, a trade deadline. The, the first was the status quo, and you don't change anything. Um, second one was utilizing single year cap space, which is, uh, quite interesting. Uh, third was selling off extra parts. Um, the next one was acquiring a safe rental. Uh, and the, the fifth was going all in baby. I don't know if I said there's four, but there, there's five, um, five parts there. So, so status quo, uh, utilizing their single year cap space, selling off extra parts, acquiring a safe rental, and then going all in, um, and so it was interesting because I think that uh, the the safest option is either selling your parts or maybe um, acquiring a safe rental. Uh, but I actually thought it was quite interesting seeing as we talk a lot about Minnesota Wild cap space, the utilizing the single year cap space is actually quite interesting to me. Uh, like they are a playoff team. I think they are good. Uh, I think there are certainly um, probably some limitations to this team that I don't know if they can get solved at the trade deadline. If you want to be like really in that upper echelon of the Stanley cup contenders. Um, I think they have the ability to go on a long playoff run. Uh, but I will just say that um, utilizing the single year cap space where they take on maybe a bad contract or retain some salary and pick up some extra picks makes sense. Cause uh, as it was reported, uh, in this article, they have about $15 million uh, worth of, of uh, cap space at the deadline. Um, That's a lot. If I, am, if, I am, uh, if I remember that number correctly, it might not have been in this article, but it said somewhere um, else. Like, Oh, no, it is in the article here. So, um, yeah, $15 million is a ton of money, and you're likely not going to spend yeah. that at the yeah. deadline. And so, like, if you can use that, even if you're going for it, but you're retaining uh, in a, a deal like um, – if Claude Giroux is getting traded and has $8.25 million cap it, you retain half of that. Like it obviously it's going to cost you some money, but you're basically buying draft picks, uh, which I think is a, is a, a neat option. So I think that if Bill Guerin can use some of that flexibility that they have, um, I think that's a really neat option. Yeah. No, hundred percent. I mean, I don't know if Philly's going anywhere as fast. So, you know, some of these teams were maybe struggling and, and, you know, like you said, have a chance to kind of build towards the future. Maybe it makes sense for Minnesota to kind of lean on that money a little bit. Yeah. It, so Philadelphia, like they, they wanted to be contenders, but like they, so 40 games into the season, they already have two 10 game losing streaks. That's wild. That 40 games in, that's half your games. <laughs> and, and two 10, and that's not even all their losses. That's just two 10 game losing streaks. Wow. Exactly. That, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. That was a stat. Frank Cervelli tweeted that out last night. And I was like, Holy moly. Like, like even yeah. the bad, bad teams don't have a 10 game wow. losing streak. Yeah. Um, man, I'm, I'm a Red Wings fan. Like we're horrible, but we don't, we're not like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just, sh- I think that shows some, uh, when there's some, some troubles in, 
uh, with a team. Um, so to wrap up this part, uh, one one name that I think I just was going through the list of, from the trade rate board uh, to see who is out there uh, from the, the athletics trade rate board and a name that I think is interesting. I don't know how perfect a fit it is, um, but Jake DeBrusque in Boston, I think, is an interesting fit for. Yeah, for this is a player that yeah. has some skill, but has just been um, his value is basically at an all time low. He's got one year left on his deal and then he's an RFA. So you can sign him after. Uh, his money, like he's getting paid 3.675 this year. So it's not a small number, uh, but you can negotiate that. And I just think that uh, he is a good player. And I, I just think that maybe he's an opportunity that Minnesota looks at. And I think he would fit well in their system, um, trade him and, and get him when his, his value is low. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, see what you can do. So that's just one name I'll throw, but at some point close to the deadline, We'll have a little bit more uh, trade discussion, but sure, that's uh, that's all I've got. I don't know if you have any final words, but no, no, that, that's that's basically it, man. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what comes out over this weekend, and uh, who knows, maybe some of the things we're saying Friday morning by Monday morning, we might have a little bit more clarity. Yeah, who knows? Well, enjoy uh, enjoy watching playoff football. I guess you're you've already done it um, at this point. Yeah, that's um, right. I, I will say, Kyle, your Rams pick is looking better and better as as uh, as time goes on. Although I say that now, knowing that it's a tough matchup this week. Um, yeah, yeah, right. That's true. That's true. It is a tough matchup. But uh, anyways, uh, take care. And uh, we'll be back next week to talk a little bit more about the defense. Take care, everyone.